Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, and with me tonight is my co-host, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD Detective Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing tonight, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy, and I'm very excited to get the information straight from the top of law enforcement with our guest tonight. Oh, my God. You know something? I hit a home run. I didn't think these guys would ever be able to be on the show together. Because first of all, they're both Irish. So grabbing them out of the gin mill isn't an easy thing to do, you know. But uh, here we are, though. Uh, here I am, because usually I'm with a lot of Italians. So I got two of my paisans, two of my Irish paisans. And we got from Nassau County, the current police commissioner, police commissioner, Patrick Ryder. Pat, so great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bill. And uh, this should be a good show. It's going to be great. We'll see. I hope Ed comes through, but it should be a great show. And Ed Hartnett, the former police commissioner of Yonkers, Junkers, as they say in, in uh, the Spanish neighborhoods, Junkers. And uh, he was also an NYPD chief, and he's a hell of an Irishman. How are you doing tonight, Ed? I'm well, I'm well, but I, I think it was a mistake. I thought I was signing on for the Rachel Maddow show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know how I don't this happened, so. but... I don't think so. Look, we're going to have a lot of laughs tonight, but we're going to be have some serious moments, too. We're going to talk a lot about crime. But first, let's go to the Police Off the Cuff song, and we'll be right back, guys, with Patrick Ryder, Nassau County Police Commissioner and former Yonkers PC, Eddie Hartnett. <laughs> They got some stories and some jokes Even an interview with the most powerful folks Off the cuff, off the cuff One episode just ain't enough Get a little laughter and an interview too It's maybe the best thing you can do Hello, folks, and welcome back. I'm so excited tonight because we have so much to talk about. These are like the weirdest times. Crime is exploding, not just in New York City, but all over the country. And it's specifically gun crime. Us, Comstat and uh, Broken Windows style policing aficionados can point to that as going away for that, from that for eight years in New York City and in other parts of the country. And I think we can directly draw a correlation to uh, moving away from broken window style policing to this new woke style, which is, I don't know what it is. It's not prosecuting incarceration. It's not making a lot for small crimes. And that's, I think, hurting uh, cities throughout the, the country. Ed, what are your feelings on, on some of these uh, things I just brought up? You know, I've done some, thankfully, I've, I've done some police consulting after I left law enforcement in is usually with the Bill Bratton teams uh, in Oakland, Detroit, St. Louis, Baltimore, and, you know, tough places. And the, the cops are working hard under terrible conditions at times. And, you know, they, they, they were doing their best. But now just those cities and others, as you mentioned, uh, are truly up against it. I mean, it, it used to be if you're 
if your crime was down, you know, your arrest could be down because as long as crime is going down, but now, you know, crime is going up and arrests have gone way down. So, you know, what's the formula? I mean, police executives now have, have a lot on their plate. And of course, Pat, uh, Pat leading a huge department here in, in New York state, uh, truly up against it. You know, uh, there's the, uh, on the dais there, there's the new mayor of New York city, Eric Adams, uh, behind him is the chief of the department, uh, uh, chief Corey. And there's of course, Pat Lynch. And of course we have key chance Sewell from Nassau County, the former chief of detectives. And to tell you the truth, I think she's been very impressive and I wish Adams would let her do the job and he should back off and be the mayor and let her be the police commissioner because it seems like every police moment he's there. That's her chance to shine. Pat, feelings? Uh, I've had the opportunity to promote Keyshawn twice uh, to a one-star, two-star, and then my chief of detectives. She's a professional. She respects and loves her cops. She'll do what's right. Um, and you hope that they will let her run the job as you know she knows that she should run it and how to run it she's intelligent she presents well she's articulate and you know she's been in 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 the street she's a cop she's she's been out there working with her cops so that's important you know you get the right message to the team that you were backing you up so far adams has been saying the right things so you know let's see when it gets bad and when it really starts to get bad and it's pretty bad right now but what way and what direction they go, but she's she's up for the test. She'll stand it. You know, uh, Phil and I were at the uh, funeral uh, for the now Detective Mora uh, promoted posthumously, but I had thought Keyshawn um, hit the ball out of the park with her speech, and I thought it was sincere. She was well-spoken. She was strong, and she uh, that's what cops need. They need a role model who's strong, who's going to stand up for them, and that that knows the what the what they're up against. And uh, I, I, as I said, Phil and I were in the church, and we heard her speak. And uh, and I watched the first funeral at home, uh, streamed that one. And same thing, she gave the the best speech I think out of everyone there. Phil, thoughts? Yeah. Well, listen. Anytime there's a change in city hall with the new mayor. Uh, we always hold our breath to wait to see who the police commission is going to be. It's a civilian title. Uh, when uh, Sewell was named as going to be the police commissioner, I got a call from a, a retired chief and he gave me the thumbs up, said uh, he heard a lot of good things about her. Uh, obviously, uh, Commissioner Ryan, who's here today with us, is uh, saying the same thing. Uh, she has shown herself to be impressive in her speech uh, at the funeral, obviously, some of the things she said uh, sounds like she's going to get behind the cops. And I I've been calling for that for a long time. Uh, the cops got to do their job, but they need the backing of the mayor and the police commissioner. Uh, there's going to be incidents that might fall into a gray area or questionable. And the investigations will always determine uh, how those things will go. But uh, right now, morale is at a very low point. Uh, you can't even get uh, people to take the job. Uh, it, it's just terrible uh, what we've gone through over the last couple of years that uh, officers are being abused in the street. So with the right uh, hierarchy, the mayor and the police commissioner, I think everyone here on the panel is is coming up with the same idea. Uh, mayor Adams needs to let the police commissioner run the police department. She knows what to do. The tools are right there. Uh, let's start having some reduction in crime. Let's do what we have to do. We all know, we all know broken windows policy and up from there. 
You know, you're just seeing uh, on the screen is a picture of a guy pulling a gun out and shooting. And the amazing thing about the shootings lately is that not only does the guy shooting at the uh, alleged target have a gun, but the people being shot at return fire all the time, which is a sign that there are too many damn guns on the street. And one of the biggest reasons for that is the, the dissolvement of anti-crime. And Adams spoke about putting these neighborhood safety teams. He dipped his toe in the water, stopped the bullshit. Anti-crime needs to be in plain clothes. They don't need to have police vests on announcing who they are. But he's afraid. He's afraid of these progressive morons that work for the city council. And he's afraid to put anti-crime back there and get the guns off the street. Hey, Bill, if I may, uh, you know, I'm an old anti-crime cop from the 3-2 precinct where those four officers were killed. Uh, and you know yourself, I mean, not to pat myself on the back, but the anti-crime cops back then and now were the guys that could go out and catch bad guys. Uh, they were the men and women that could blend in a little bit, but they were out there hustling, hunting, and catching bad guys with guns. Uh, and, and they need to be back, to your point. Uh, I know they were disbanded for whatever reasons, but taking all those those manhunters out of the precincts and putting them back in uniform, the bad guys see that. The bad guys watch that. So when the anti-crime guys and the street crime unit were out there stopping cars, stopping bad guys within the bounds of the Constitution, not, not supposedly doing anything illegal or immoral, uh, the bad guys knew it. So they didn't carry the gun. They weren't that comfortable carrying the gun. They stashed a gun nearby. We used to always find guns in a garbage can or on top of a, uh, top of a tire, a wheel well of a car because they didn't feel comfortable because they knew that, as they would say, the DTs are going to jump out and, and toss me. So they need to get back to something like that. Again, there were some abuses with stop and frisk, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about that later. You can't just stop and frisk everyone. As they used to always say at comps, that it's got to be done at the right time, at the right place, for the right reasons, and the right people. So you well, can't you know, just Ed, toss Ed, I just I just have to stop you for one second because the press are the ones that reduced stop, question, and frisk to stop and frisk. So when anyone calls it stop and frisk, we jump all over them because that's taken 33% of, of this procedure away. And you know, I mean, you know better than anyone that the frisk happens after maybe the question raises the level of suspicion to reasonable suspicion, which allows the popo to do it, do a frisk, right? So I don't like when, because I think the press purposely demonizes the activity says stop and frisk, and then they also demonize anti-crime. Aren't they just stopping and frisking people? No, and they also awesome. they also totally mislabel it. They they would call it a program. It was never a program. Right, it's, it's not it's a program. A, it's a tactic. It's it's a tactic that was used based on reasonable suspicion. They'd say you have no probable cause to stop that person. You don't need probable cause to right. stop the person. You need reasonable suspicion to stop the person. And as long as an experienced officer can articulate that. That's that's a, a good stop question of this situation. Thank you, know you for uh, concluding the the other the stop question part. <laughs> I know you're a pain. I, I got to piggyback that a little <laughs> because I think what happened is during the uh, Bloomberg administration, uh, when he saw that anti-crime from doing stops, stop question and frisk, they were taking a lot of guns off the street. He implemented it to be on a monthly activity report that every patrol officer. Now it wasn't only 
you know, patrol could do a stop and frisk, anti-crime, any officers that were out there. But he made patrol officers have it on their activity report, their monthly activity report. So when they got to the end of the month and they didn't have four or five stops, they were stopping just anybody. It was overused. And this is the reason that the whole thing was you know, put into the spotlight and saying it was overused and violating people's civil rights. It's actually one of the best police tactics that you have out there for fighting gun violence, obviously, and, and you know, possession of guns. And I was an anti-crime cop and, you know, without stop, question and frisk, we wouldn't have taken nearly uh, the amount of guns that we took off the street. We, I was in East Flatbush and, uh, you know, we took plenty of guns off the street in the, uh, in the eighties. Um, you know, the fact that it was overused, yes, okay, we know about that, but it needs to be brought back. Not only did they take away, every precinct had an anti-crime team, but they took away borough crime teams, which came out of the task force, and then they took away street crime, which was a citywide anti-crime. So a lot of uh, a lot of people that were out there, you know, targeting people carrying guns, gone now. So this is why, as uh, the chief said, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, the commissioner said, the, uh, no one's afraid to carry a gun. And a lot of these guys, they're carrying them on both sides, like Billy said. So we, we have to really get a grip on that. Let me, Pat, are you it, having the same problems in Nassau County? Yeah, you know, so let me add, you know, it's stop questioning, possibly frisk. And and again, they love to twist this stuff. And the media loves to play and stop and frisk, right? Which is not the way it's written. Tommy Dale, the chief from your job, came out and became a commissioner with us. And when that happened, when they pulled it back off the, off the New York City and, and took, took it back from the cops. It was him who said to me, he goes, you know who's going to get hurt? Cops are going to get hurt now. Because bad guys, just as 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 um, uh, you guys were saying a second ago, is that they know if they're going to get stopped, they're not going to carry that gun. So it may be on that that tire. It may be in that bush over there on behind the wall. And, you know, in a, in the shootings won't be as quick. When we jump out of the car now and that gun is on that waistband because he's not afraid of getting frisked that gun now comes out and the cop gets hurt so there are things that need to change what we did in nassau county after the unrest and after the george floyd we pulled back our plain clothes guys i said just pull back just for a little bit let it let it calm down let the waters calm down and we went back in it lasted about a month and a half you know and we, and we were so busy on protest anyhow then about two and a half months into it we rolled them back in and i've taken more guns off the street in nassau county this year alone that I've taken in, in the past 10 years, in the first month of the year. Guns are all over the place, and that's because they know there's no consequence. They're going to get locked up. They're going to see the judge in the morning, and they're walking out, right, because of bail reform. There's no bail because it's nonviolent. I didn't shoot nobody. I was just carrying my loaded, my loaded handgun that I got. So that's you know, the problem. You know, Pat, I wanted to say something, too, because uh, through great fanfare, I think, last week, President Biden came to New York on Thursday and had this gun symposium with the governor. It was an out-and-out -out joke. I mean, first of all, Hockle doesn't even know what a gun is. You know, she's sitting there. And and same thing with Adams. And it's the same Democrat talking points of it's the gun, not the guy pulling the trigger. The iron pipeline. No, stop the bullshit. That, you've been talking this since 1960. It's the guy you don't want to prosecute, the guy pulling the trigger. How is the gun responsible? It's the guy pulling the trigger, and they don't want to prosecute him. Yeah, Bill, you know, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't, want, I don't want to turn this into a political thing too much, but uh, I saw that. I saw the president come, and listen, it's always been a you know an honor if the president comes to headquarters and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he's talking about the, the flow of guns. And listen, it's something that has to be addressed, obviously, but 
every gun company in the world could stop making guns tomorrow. And it's there's still guns here. What are you going to do about the guns that are here, Mr. President? The guns are here now, and they're still shooting each other and killing each other. And these guys also have terrible aim. So they, they shoot at the guy they want to shoot, and they hit some child or some grandmother in a window. So the guns are here now. So I heard nothing from anyone that day talking about what are we doing about crime, violent crime involving guns today. But but if you don't keep the bad guy in jail, he's just going to come out and commit more crimes. Yeah. And that's the problem. Again, it's not the gun. I, I agree. we got to take these guns. But on the other side of it, it's the individual. The individual who pulled that trigger is going to be walking out of jail. He's not staying in it. That's a problem. Well, you know, Pat, I think this was uh, this uh, little uh, meme I put on before was from the summertime. And the same people that uh, may be crying about, and we had Pat Russo on last night who runs the New York City Kids and Boxing Program. And he works in the inner cities, all the, all the communities with housing projects. And he says they want the police there. They're not like the city council and all these woke people saying defund the police. They want more police because these are the kids that are winding up dead. These are the kids wind up shooting other kids. So it's it's a, a revolving door and they want something done about it. Billy, could you put that back up for a second, please? I got to make a point. Look at those faces. Those are black and brown faces. This is what affects the minority community in New York and across the country. This out-of-control gun violence is targeted mostly towards black and brown community. So all of these leaders, they want to talk about Black Lives Matter. They're full of it. Let's talk about doing the things that need to be done in these communities, in these areas, these high-crime areas. We could do stuff with the, the community programs like you just brought up with Pat Russo, the boxing thing to, to you know, uh, kids in boxing, to keep them out of gangs and stuff. But uh, the bottom line is without playing closed offices, without stop and frisk, and again, without this, this insane bail reform that they've instituted, we have to t- turn that back. And if Hochul wants to make herself seem like she's all pro-law enforcement, she won't even discuss uh, revoking the bail reform law. So she's full of it too. We need, how come they didn't talk about that? Like, uh, like commissioner Hartnett was saying, they didn't talk about that when the president of town, the guns that are here, that's what we're worried about the pipeline and ghost guns. That's not what's causing the problem. The guns that are in the, in the city right now, that's what's causing the problem. And these gang bangers that aren't afraid to carry them because uh, like, Commissioner Ryder said they're out before the paperwork is done. The office is still in central book and doing the paperwork and the perps being released because there's no bail. Let me just hit this one. Violent crime has been rising over the past two years with crazed, unstable people in the subways and fearless teenagers with guns. Shootings that once took place in back alleys now happen on crowded streets in the middle of the afternoon. Gang members blasting at one another with bystanders caught in the crossfire. Among the latest victims, an infant struck in the face with a stray bullet. Police officers are being shot and unsuspecting subway riders are being attacked at random. Others are being robbed. In the past two months, it's become an onslaught. Certainly the levels of safety that we saw during the last 10 years are now being reversed and it's a serious moment no one should undermine how serious this is there were 485 murders in new york city in 2021 the highest total in 10 years there were more than 1500 shootings the highest in 15 years and double the number just two years ago 
and underground, major felonies are surging. Bronx DA Darcel Clark. It's not just the law. You know, it's people thinking that they can get away with whatever they want. That's where we are now, which is, you know, really scary. Just a total disrespect for humanity. The age at which somebody first picks up a gun is getting younger and younger and younger. We now have 12 and 13 year olds picking up guns and carrying. We really better, we really better focus on that. Aborn believes Mayor Adams understands the crisis, but needs to act quickly. I think he has a very short window to put a cap on the rise of crime. I think it will come down, but it's going to come down gradually. Aborn is convinced that targeted anti-gun patrols can be done legally and that federal agents have a role to play. We need to set up true interstate strike forces to go after the illegal guns coming up what we call the iron pipeline from Pennsylvania, the Carolinas, Texas, Alabama, and Georgia, and Virginia. The feds could help us do that tomorrow morning. Darcel Clark is convinced that coordinated investigations will help turn the tide. We're putting together investigations that are phenomenal. And once we get them now, it's going to be able to stick because every agency is working together. And no, experts say this is not the 1970s all over again. You heard Mr. Aborn say a moment ago that the mayor has a relatively short window. He says a few months to try to stop the trend. But driving down crime in New York City, he says, will likely take the better part of a year. It's worse than the 70s. That's so the there you have it. I mean, look, guys, we came from, uh, you know, when New York City was the safest large city. And then we had eight years of this disaster of a mayor named de Blasio. And all of the, you know, we get pissed. We get emotional about this because we work so hard to bring crime down. And I was one of the people that was standing up and getting slapped at, at the podium constant with Anamone and uh, Maple and, you know, back then. And we know, but we, we, we all took it because it was for the greater good. But all of that went away in eight years of, of, of just this progressive moronic mayor, you know? I, listen, we were, we were blessed in many ways because when de Blasio came in, at least he appointed Bill Bratton and then Jim O'Neill and then Dermot Shea. I mean, those guys held the line as best they could with a weak and ineffective and, and non-focused mayor. Uh, you know, it's funny. We would say when you were a precinct commander, if you took over a precinct from a really sharp guy, you had a hard job. It was a tough job. If you took over from a guy who wasn't really on top of his game, it was pretty easy. And that's, that's Eric Adams right now. He's taken over from the, the worst mayor in history. He can do a few things right and be a star. But as, as Richard Aborn said, you know, that window is not going to be open forever. I mean, he, he announced a plan, apparently some kind of crime plan. I saw some of it in late January. You know, to me, you got to walk in the door on January 1st with that plan. And you got to and you got to kick off. You got to hit the ground running. But it seems like, you know, as we said, I'm holding out for him. I hope he does a good job. He, his reputation when he was in the, the NYPD was not as a crime fighter, but I'm hoping now that he becomes someone who's, who espouses crime and law and order, because that's that's what he's saying. So I'm going to I'm going to hope that he he keeps to his word. Yes, absolutely. I, I, he didn't have the reputation of being a crime fighter. Correct. One hundred percent. But I think he knows what needs to be done. I mean, he was on the job for 22 years. He was rank of captain. Uh, you know, he went through the rack ranks. He knows what tools he has at his fingertips. It's it's really about, you know, uh, implementing along with uh, Commissioner Sewell 
And, uh, you know, they could really, like you said, coming behind de Blasio, he could just hang around and he's going to look great. But he also has an opportunity to become a superstar if he can really bring down crime. And he's got the opportunity. He's got the tools. It's just a matter of whether or not he's got the guts to implement it. You know, Pat uh, Ryder, I want to direct this towards you. One of the biggest problems in New York City right now, besides all this gun crime, is the mentally ill people all over the streets of the city inhabiting the subways as if it's their private condo and the, the filth and the disgustingness underground. Yeah. Yeah. And you have all these progressives like, ah, wear a mask. You got guys with bull weevils crawling on them in the subway and they don't, they don't mention that. And that the filth and, 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 you know, it's do something. People should not be living on the street. You know, the men, the mental health crisis in this country is out of control. Um, and, and a lot of it is drug related. A lot of it is alcohol related. A lot of it is just the homelessness now have after living on the streets. And, you know, we spent the whole year and a half with this pandemic. The problem is they were always there, but the city controlled it. The city, you know, I, I said that I had lunch today with, with Terry Monahan, and we were talking, we, Years ago, we, we would remove them. We'd get them into the shelter. We'd get them to an area where we can get them help. Now, you know, you don't want to ask. You don't want to touch. You don't want to speak. You know, it, if you go anywhere near them, you're afraid something's going to happen that you're going to get jammed up. And then, so now, and then they're going to intervene with the social worker. Bring the social worker in. 96% of the cases that we handle with mental, mental health issues end up in a hospital. Social worker says that's not a good number. You should bring that number down. Okay, I'll bring the number down, but... When, when I'm responding, it's my scene. I'm in, I'm in charge. And if we're not using violence and with and nobody, I don't care how much schooling you went to, nobody understands mental health issues than New York City cops or county cops because we speak to these people all the time. We deal with them constantly. And we know what rises them up and what brings them down. And, you know, th that's the world we live in. People don't realize. You, you drive down the street, you see, hey, there's Tony. Hey, Tony. And you start talking. And that's what we do that we're so good at. But, you know, the experts are going to come in now and they want to get in the car and they want to go to the call with you and see if they can make it better. In our experience out here, we're finding that every time they come, they're like, OK, you guys got this. When it's all under control, then bring us in. OK, perfect. And that's what we're doing. And it's working very well out here in Nassau. You know, I think that people that don't uh, deal with mentally ill people or EDPs, as we know them, uh, emotionally disturbed persons, now they even put a now euphemism. They soften that now it's emotionally distressed. I don't know what disturbed and distressed, how much different, but they want to make it a kindler, gentler, three-letter word, you know, the emotionally distressed person. All right, they're mentally ill. And, Pat, you hit it on the head. That word homeless is the coverall. That's not what it is. It's Mentally ill, alcohol, and drug addicted, and the last word should be homeless. As a result of the prior three things we just spoke about, it's funny in the in the in the current environment. You know, you're always saying the wrong thing. You know, when I first came on, when we first came on, Bill, right over the radio, they'd say, uh, you know, go to the corner of walk, walk and don't walk. There's a psycho. They would say psycho right over the radio. Uh, then they made an EDP, and but now Absolutely you correct. I, I read you, you're not even supposed to say homeless. Now you're supposed to say houseless because homeless is insulting. So it's, you, you don't know what to say. But but again, oh, you, but you know, I, Ed, I just heard of an amazing one recently. I'm sure you heard it. Uh, they they have um, food not, insecurity. Food insecurity. Have you heard that? Yeah. One? 
Yeah, non like bomb security. Yeah, the poor guy is starving, but he has food insecurity. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's it's like they, they they get themselves bogged down in semantics instead of doing something to help these folks. I mean, NYPD had a a pretty active, productive homeless outreach unit, and it was abolished because it was they, it was deemed that they were you know too much of a police state, I guess. But they were doing some good proactive work, getting these people the help they need, getting them off the street, stopping them at times from freezing to death. And now hopefully they'll get that back. Yeah, Homeless outreach was, was very effective. I mean, they, they went into the subways and they, you know, where there's hundreds of people living in the subways in the New York City subway system. And they would get them, like you said, into either a, a shelter or if they needed hospitalization or programs. And then I think the, the social workers felt that they were being cut out of it. And whatever reason, I don't know if it had to do when they cut anti-crime, they, they cut it out. And, uh, you know, when they called them homeless, when you see an attack on the subway, they say, oh, it was a homeless individual. You know, homeless, most people people think homeless. Well, somebody lost their job during the pandemic and they're homeless. No, these are people that have serious mental illness, serious drug addiction. Uh, it's not somebody just lost their job and they decided to go live on the subway. It's 99% of the time. It's, they have serious mental health issues or serious drug addiction. And when they're in that, you know, that stupor, whether they're not taking their medication or they're high on drugs or they're strung out from drugs, they become violent. And that's when the violence happens in the subway system. So, you know, they're labeling them one thing and it's really something totally different. Yeah. We've all got those jobs where the guy's wrecking his house and you say, what happened? Well, he's fine, but he stopped taking his medicine. Stop A lot of these medicine. folks are on medicine. They stop taking their medicine and then they go crazy and, and they, they harm themselves and harm someone else. Yeah, like we were talking before that the transit used to have that homeless outreach where they would actually remove everyone from the subway. But now it seems it's okay to live on a subway car uh, at the expense of the taxpaying and, and you know, the, the paying customers that are with the MTA. And the other thing is they don't prosecute people anymore for jumping the turnstiles. Oh. So why is anyone paying? You know, it's it's a, this whole thing is... It's just, it's a recipe for disaster, you know? Yeah, the fair be thing, they, they used to, I'm sorry, they used to, you know, the, the, some current politicians, the one from Long Island City, I don't like to say her little cute name, uh, she, you know, she's, she tried to, to, to paint this picture that, well, the people jump in a turnstile are people who can't afford to ride the train. If you talk no. to transit cops, everybody they grab jump in the turnstile has 20, 40, 50, 100 bucks in their pocket. They could pay. And then there's Jack Maple, the late great Jack Maple, the architect of CompStat, would say all the time when you stop them these guys are jumping the turnstile not just to commute to work they're jumping into the system to 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 commit crime so you can stop them at the gate arrest them at the gate and 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 lock them up for for the fair beat and you prevent crime from happening on the train and you know that's that seems to be again now it's now it's politically incorrect pat you had something to say sorry pat uh, no, it, it doesn't help when you when you get DAs like this guy in Manhattan who's going mm -hmm. to just let the, the door open. Just let him go. And look, we were all cops in the 80s, right? And I was walking a foot post in, in, uh, in Bed-Stuy in, in 1984, 85. And that was the revolving door of the crack wars. But at least back then, if you got collared with a gun in the city of New York, it was a mandatory one to three years. Now it's you're out the door in the morning. It's, it's, it's unheard of. And the quality of life that when we talk about broken windows, broken windows never broke, right? It, it's, we we kind of messed it up a little bit, but 
broken windows. It's all about pe- that people want. They want the quality. They don't want to come out and find their car graffitied or, or their tires slashed or their windows broken. They want to be able to come out and go about their, their day. That's why they pay those taxes. And But unfortunately, when you don't lock or you don't prosecute somebody for jumping a turnstile, taking a crap right on the middle of the platform, and then going in and pushing some woman into a train, what are we doing? What, what, what is the and so and that's when you start getting that defeatist attitude by our police officers. I got to tell you, and, and you know, everything the city PD has been through, these cops are still doing their job and they deserve more, more credit than they're getting. Um, and the, the crime issue is because they're not letting them do some of the things like the, again, the anti crime days and stuff like that. The, you take your best cops, you give them an advantage over the bad guy, they're going to catch the bad guy. If you turn around and you put everybody back in uniform, I don't have the advantage no more. The bad guy does. And that's right. when we make a mistake. 100%. Let me just play a little bit of this. Or where his widow called him out. We are not safe anymore. I know you were tired of these laws, especially the ones from the new DA. I hope he's watching you speak through me right now. Are being read the riot act by Governor Kathy Hochul. We need to do more to protect public safety. Whatever the reason, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has backed off his earlier day one memo that provoked demands for his ouster. Seems instead of being the softer, gentler prosecutor he campaigned on, he apparently now wants to be the new sheriff of Manhattan. His tough on crime stance in this new memo telling his staff violence against police officers will not be tolerated. Gun possession cases are a key part of our plan for public safety. People walking the streets with guns will be prosecuted and held accountable. A commercial robbery with a gun will be charged as a felony, whether or not the gun is operable, loaded, or a realistic imitation. We also will use gun possession cases as an opportunity to trace the source of illegal guns and build cases against gun traffickers. It was amazing how he found religion after that, uh, the funeral of the officer when his wife embarrassed him. And then the governor, who also is another progressive, sitting in the front row was like, oh, the midterms are this November. We better do something about crime because we sat on our ass for the past four years and did nothing. So maybe I better get to this DA and tell him he can't do these decarceral policies that George Soros gave him a million dollars to do. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, that kid, you know, I, I, I grew up in Washington Heights, just one neighborhood north of him. He grew up in Harlem. And, you know, on paper, I look at this guy and I say, wow, you know, a guy pulled, him, pulled himself up by his bootstraps, went to Harvard, went to Harvard Law, still lives in Harlem. I'm thinking, you know, 80 something percent of the people voted for him. And and then he gets into office and he campaigned on it, too, with with, with all this stuff that now he's backtracking on. Those those quotes you just showed, that should have been his memo when he first came in. And that memo really is is unnecessary. That's the law. You know, he's just saying we're going to enforce the law. Well, the law is in the penal law, pal. You know, enforce it. You know, you, you have a criminal procedure law. You know, that's the rules and procedures right there. Right. Well, the legislature makes the law. He's supposed to prosecute the law when it gets violated. And that 10 page memo he wrote to his staff. I mean, it was outrageous. It was absolutely outrageous. He's supposed to be the voice of the victims. He's supposed to give them a voice, give them hope. And in tur- he turned around and he just sold them all out for the bad guy. He gave the bad guy more than he gives the victims. That's where we start to lose 
control of society is when we let the the the, the criminals run the environment, right? And instead of the, taking care of our victims and defending them. And if you go to any precinct in Brooklyn, the Bronx, Harlem, wherever, precinct commanders, I've been to those meetings, Pat, you've been to those meetings. You go to meetings in church basements and school cafeterias, the folks in those neighborhoods, they want the same thing everybody else wants. They want safety, security. They want their kids to be safe going to school. They don't want some jerk outside drinking beer, smoking weed, playing his radio too loud. Uh, all that broken window stuff. These people want more policing, not less. These folks are up against it in some of these neighborhoods and trying to do the best they can, trying to make ends meet. Now they got to worry about, you know, getting killed outside their building. And the DA up until recently is sounding to, to Pat's great point that the victim is 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 not the even in the in the factor at all. It's not not even in the picture. It's all about doing you know, in, you know mass incarceration and you know, closing Rikers Island. Uh, what about the victim? You know, every stat, every number. I used to tell my guys, every crime stat has a person attached to it. Whether and, and if your numbers are good or bad, no matter what your numbers are, there are people attached to every one of those numbers. And the DA seems to have forgotten that. One hundred percent. You know, I remember on the side of the radio cause, it used to say quality of life. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever happened to that? Oh yeah, that's that's taboo now at times. Quality you, of life you know, the broken window. Yeah. You know what though? I gotta say, <laughs> Bragg is the extreme, but the other DAs in in the city are not far behind. You know, they stopped, uh, you know, prosecuting jumping the turnstile, marijuana in public, drinking in public, urinating in public, they they uh, prostitution. I mean, prostitution, that's that's how we interdict and help uh, you know, kids that have been sucked into this uh, world of prostitution by pimps and stuff, and he doesn't even want to prosecute those, and as well as the other boroughs too. Those other DAs, they're not escaping this either. You know, I'm calling them out as well. Um, you know, we, we have Laws on the books, and they're there for a reason. You're the district attorney that's supposed to prosecute the law, but now you're picking and choosing. No, that's for the legislation to do. But I think that uh, you know he may have backed off a little bit, but I still don't trust that it's going to get any better any quicker. Uh, several of his top-notch prosecutors have resigned. Uh, so you know the DA's office in Manhattan sounds like it's in total disarray. Uh, we got to start with that bail reform. Start there and work our way down from the state. You know, when you, when you have lawlessness like they have now, you don't have an economy. You don't have a business. You don't have real estate. You don't have value. They're going to lose it all in the city of New York if they don't get control of the crime problem. The crime problem, basically, we kind of spin everything off off of that. You're not going to have successful people spending their money on real estate. You, you, we've already seen the value of real estate come down because of the pandemic. We found that people could work at home and, and get them just as productive. So the value already came down. Now you're going to turn around. It's going to be crime ridden that people don't want to walk in and go in the subway. Not good. Outrageous. Folks, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. Uh, we appreciate your support. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon. Uh, in fact, Ed's a, Ed Hartnett's a member there. He's been supporting us for two years. And, uh, Although I see the Brinks truck pull up to his Pat, house twice a Pat, month. I'm the George <laughs> Soros. Big, big... Pat, I'm the George Soros of, of Patreon. That's right. I... He's supporting us for for, for over two years. And it's we also amazing. have the, uh, a membership, uh, YouTube it's members. Our channel is Duty I took Rob. Out a, I took out a second mortgage to be a member of Patreon. It's well worth it. All That's the right. <laughs> All the benefits I get from it. It's, it's so worth it. Duty Ron, thank you so much for a $20 super chat. Great guest, Sergeant Cannon. Thank you to be the best police commissioner in Nassau County you've seen in a long time. 
As a resident, I appreciate the work his members are doing. Love to have him on my show. Respect for Nassau County Police. Uh, there's a big kudos to you, Pat. And uh, I actually, Pat, I had your brother on the show who runs the Feel Good Foundation. Yes. Your brother Jim and a great guy, former NYPD cop. And uh, it's all in the family. And your cousin, Jim Cohn, uh, who was the inspector, the CEO of aviation. And I, I'll That's go even cousin? further. Jimmy Cohn's your cousin? Yes. Yeah. I love and, that guy. And you know what else? Jack Cohn is the quarterback of Notre Dame. So these That's guys right. have some good pedigree there. You yeah. Know? And, and oh, I, love, I love Jimmy. I'll give a little plug. My son graduates from my academy next week. Very That's good. Great. Very Fantastic. Good. Very good. And my boy, my boy is 17 years on the NYPD. He's in ESU. I'm very proud of him. That's oh, fantastic. that's great to know. Good bloodlines here, Billy. We got some good bloodlines on our show today. And, and Eddie, how those those cloth bags that Brinks drops off at your house? How many hundreds of thousands of dollars are in each bag? I tell you, man, I hurt my back. <laughs> that's Terrible. great. Terrible. You know what I, I want to talk about? I'm trying to make about... my Patreon donation. So. <laughs> yeah. I better shut up. He's gonna quit. Uh, one of the things I want to bring up, because it's been a problem all over the place now, and uh, we, we just saw it in, in Westchester, and it's these um, smash and grabs. Smash and grabs. And, and it's like it's happening. And when we talk about broken windows and going after little crimes, this is a result of not prosecuting uh, the, the, the lower level crimes. And it's really outrageous. And it's it's about to destroy a society, destroy commerce, destroy capitalism, whatever you want to call it. Uh, here is here's the smash and grab the other day in a store in Westchester where they took $300,000 worth of watches by breaking uh, the counter with a hammer. Who walked into the Torno store in the Westchester Mall Sunday morning and smashed a display case with hammers? The suspects got away with seven watches worth more than $300,000. Now, Pat, I know you're getting this in Nassau County too. Is it also a result of uh, the decausal policies of district attorneys? You watched that. There was a video that someone took as they were coming out in that mall um, when they stole these pocketbooks. Uh, Last week, I think that was up in uh, Westchester. Yes. And they're running out of the store. And everybody's just standing back and just letting them go with it. You know, they're yelling at it, calling them animals and everything else. But they, if again, if you have this lawlessness, they're going to close their business. And then you have no economy. When you look at when CVS, I believe, is closing up in the city of New York, they're just like, we can't run our business. People just come in, they steal, and they walk right out. If you can't have, this is the one. That's what you, Jim, on the screen is what you were referring to. Well, you can narrate it yourself. <laughs> yeah, and, and they just, they, they grabbed the pocketbooks, $1,000 pocketbook, and they ran. And because after that, and nobody wants to chase him. You saw the security guard. He just backed he up. He stood the there. Yeah, he didn't do a thing. Nah, and and sadly, you know, I, I spent some time in that business, and, uh, and I worked with, with large retail across the country. And a lot of them have that policy, even before all this, where, they say, don't, don't chase, don't get in their way, don't put your hands on them. So that's that's part of the problem. And then a lot of these retail will not prosecute. So it's a double-edged sword. But this kind of lawlessness is basically all we're talking about right now is there's a sense that I can do whatever I want, but there'll be no consequence. Yeah, the malls will worry about uh, uh, lawsuits and stuff like that. Uh, they don't want to be caught up in that. And, uh, 
you know, you have an unarmed security guard. I mean, he didn't even get on his radio. I mean, they should have should have at least uh, radioed for help, maybe taking pictures of these guys, uh, you know, to help try and identify them. But it, it's ridiculous. Uh, just and there's a feeling, too, that they, oh, we'll, we'll get them later. You know, we'll see them. They're going to be selling it on eBay. You know, the cow's already out of the barn at that point, you know? Yeah. We, we, we had some retail stores that I won't name them here, but one of, one of them turned around and refused to sign the report to have them arrested. I go, you're not going to sign this after my cop went out and tackled the person. You're not going to go sign this. No, we're not going to sign it. It's, still a policy. it's pretty common. Yeah, it's amazing. You, you know, when I was in Intel, we had a policy. We were actually, it was before uh, 9-11 happened. We were trying to get information on terrorism and stuff like that. So we were targeting these small bodegas. We would go to uh, CVS and they would give us some items that are, you know, frequently stolen. We, they would sign them out to us and then we would go into the store and try to sell it to them. Then we would arrest whoever it was that bought it. You know, we would let them know that it was stolen merchandise. I'm trying to sell it. And then we would arrest them to try and get intel out of them. And, you know, obviously we would return the merchandise back to the stores. Uh, you know, we would go to the stores where there was a, a big shoplifting problem. So that's one way that possibly you can, you know, put a stop to it, that you're putting a hurting on wherever they're selling it, whether they're selling it on the street or they're selling it to bodegas. A lot of times they would steal, you know, uh, over-the-counter medications and CVS, right, Aid, and then sell it to the bodegas that are obviously greatly discounted price. And, and so there was some enforcement there that we did. We did develop some information uh, we were targeting to try and uh, they were funded terrorism overseas and then 9-11 happened and that all kind of got put on the side but uh th there's different ways that we can obviously attack this and, and, and put a stop to it to guys on the on the screen here this is a big problem they're having in california they're having them break into these cargo trains and they just throw whatever they don't want on the tracks and this is a national security problem if you ask me so what what is going on like they could be stealing guns some of these trains carry guns you know they could be stealing high-tech equipment computers things like that and again this has has a far-reaching problem for the entire nation. A, a, a lot of a lot of evidence that we ship around the country now to get tested is in those trucks, and now they're getting stolen. Which is going to again, a rape case, a murder case is now going to be jeopardized because we lost it because of that stuff. You, you again, That's you, great you got to police that. That's a great point. You have you have evidence traveling across the country, and these savages—they're not going to want that. They're going for high-end equipment, you know, whether it be electronics, clothing, whatever. They find something like that, they're just going to toss it. It's it, the chain of uh, evidence is broke, and uh, you know, it's it's not good anymore. I mean, uh, there's so many factors that, uh, you know, that these different uh, thefts are turn, you know, uh, that they affect, and you have areas of the United States where. You could drive through a neighborhood, you know, 25 miles and you're not going to find the CVS because they're all closed up. And out in San Francisco, I believe it is, whether it be Rite Aid, CVS, Walgreens, whatever, you can't find a drugstore to buy aspirins because they're pilfered. They're, 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 they close up in those areas. On the screen, what you're seeing here is a uh, this happened on Long Island. Walked into a their woman Deer was Park followed to from, check on autistic uh, from the mall and somewhat she bought a high end uh, pocketbook or something. They pulled right up into a driveway, broke the window of a van, and took, and took a property. So all of this is, all because they're not prosecuting these people. It, it's outrageous. Record, and for the record, that was Suffolk County, not Nassau. Exactly. I know. I, I, I did. Gonna, I was going to say that, Pat. I, I was going to say that because I not saw going Rodney on Harrison. In there, so I, I got you. I was going to say that. Yeah. But, but again, it's 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 all about the consequence. Like you, you talk about bail reform, and listen. 
bail had to be reformed in, in a way. It had to be tweaked. I mean, I used to have a problem myself with some 17-year-old kid sitting in Rikers Island for two and a half years with an open case. He couldn't make bail. And maybe he'd beat that case. Or maybe the maybe the case would just fall apart. But that guy's in jail for two and a half years. So, so bail had to be fixed. I mean, but it's like, it's like bringing your car in to get a, a flat fixed and they they take off all four tires. You know, it's it's it didn't didn't need the the massive overhaul that they gave it. And now it's it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle. Yep. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, Phil, I just want you to do uh, we'll do we take a quick uh, break with uh, do Joe Murray's little commercial sure. here. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Joe's a great guy, and he has a podcast called Allegedly Guilty. Look him up. I, I listen, Joe's a good guy, and I tell you what, in his day, Joe was the hell of a boxer. Yeah, he oh, sure yeah. Oh, yeah. He proved that in the 10th squad. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, I know the guy he hit, and the guy deserved it. <laughs> That's right. You told me that story. Oh, no, yeah. I just oh, want to yeah. get, get back to now you guys. And I hope he's listening. You guys are obviously <laughs> two of the best law enforcement minds in the country. And we have those people in the NYPD, Keith Chan Sewell, former um, chief of detectives in Nassau County. I believe it's uh, the chief of department, Kenny Corey. All these guys are probably chomping at the bit because they were children of Comstat and they were children raised on broken windows policing. And the fact that we're not going back to that full force because we can do, we have the blueprint in place. We know how to drop crime. We've done it before. We could do it again. We had Bill Bratton. You know, we have all of these experts. We're not doing it because of politics. 100%. It's sad. It's sad. I've seen it in other cities, too, again, where, you know, they, no, no disrespect, but the, the comp stat is, is, is very light. It's very watered down. In some cases, they have elected officials pop in and, and you know, they start, you know, chiming, chiming in because they're running for re-election. Uh, Comstat works. It can be. It could be. It could be modified. Obviously, it's been modified over the years. The Comstat of 1995 is is very different than the Comstat of today. Uh, we've learned from our mistakes at Comstat. Comstat was 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 harsh and tough, and it, it had to be back then. Uh, but it works. I've been to many many. I used to go to every Comstat for about two or three year period, and uh, you you could see it's it's an accountability mechanism. It's a it's a resource management ish, uh, tactic. Uh, it uh, you identify talent. Uh, you keep people on their toes, uh, and you and you worry about to Pat's point before, and you worry about the victims. And uh, I hope we never forget the victims. You know, you know, one of the things I liked about Comstat, even though I wasn't a supervisor and I didn't go to Comstat, but if there was a pattern in one area of the city, it could be picked up as if it was happening, occurring, in, in let's say another borough. If it was in the Bronx and Staten Island, it was having the same problem. They could connect up with it. So that was one of the good things about it. And again, the broken windows policy, it worked. It brought crime way, way down. There was accountability. I was in the detective bureau before Comstat and then during Comstat, and we would take care cases that would normally be referred to court, you know, minor cases, whether it be an assault or a dispute between neighbors, and we would make arrests on those. We w went from uh, a non-arrest oriented unit in the, in the 
precinct detective squads too, and arrest oriented. So instead of referring people to court, we started to engage and, and put them into the system, make arrests. And then they were adjudicated down the line. A lot of times they would just, uh, they would go to adjudication as opposed to a, a criminal court if it was a minor thing, but it really helped. It, it brought crime down at, at great lengths. Obviously your, your upper level crimes, homicides, robberies, all of that burglaries, the enforcement was there for those. Those came down as well. And I think that in politics today, and we don't want to get too political, but if you poll Americans across the country, they're not as worried about the pandemic anymore. They're more worried about crime and, you know, the, these baloney things that the politicians spout that they were worried about uh, climate change and stuff like that. That's not what's on the minds of people in 2021 and 2022 going into 22. It's about quality of life and crime across the country. And, you know, let's hope, and I'm just happy that we have two commissioners here tonight that kind of fall in line to everything Bill and I have been saving over the last several months with, uh, you know, with this uptick in crime. And I feel like uh, we're kind of vindicated that they're on the same page that we are, you know? So uh, the, the all the tools are right there. They just have to be, you know, the, the politicians got to grow a pair and be able to push forward and, do what has to be done and bring crime down. And it's not only a New York problem, it's across the country. But so you know, have, I wanted like, to just the terms to talk about. We talk about like old terms like carjackings are back. Drive yeah, by right. shootings that are term, back. That term went away for years. You're right. Yeah. You know what I wanted to mention too, because we were mentioning Comstead. They have this new thing called violence interrupters. I would like to have them go to Comstead. I would like to know exactly what they do. I would like to know exactly how much they're paid. I would exact I'd like to know exactly. Al Sharpton is one of the, you know, his National Action Network. They're, Bill, you got to have warrants show up at the Comstock. Yeah, I want to see. How much are you guys paid? What did you do for your pay list? I want to know who they are. Right. How many interactions did you have? How many violences, violent incidents did you interrupt? Yeah, what horse right. shit? I, this listen, is I just a money old, grab. It's a total I worked old timers in the Bronx, and they, they, they had a violence interrupt. It was called their nightstick. But, uh... yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really would like to pull these people into cops that haven't been around the lectern. Okay, who's the leader? Who's the spokesperson? All right, what do you guys do? They'd be like, you know? <laughs> You know, Eddie was saying before, and we're talking about CompStat, and then we're talking about, you know, broken windows and stuff. And, you know, we at NASA, we call it STRATCOM, strategic communication. Same thing, same process. But we, we tried to all work together to solve that problem. Make it efficient, make it effective, right? <coughs> respecting the rights of the individual, but at the same time, respecting the right of the victims. 90% of the crime is done by 10% of the population. That's our focus, the 10%. The 90% want to live. The 90% respect us, want us, and need us. When they say defund the police, this is the time where you invest in the police. You invest in a product if you want it to perform better. That's what you got to do in policing. You got to invest in policing if you want it. Otherwise, pull them all back. Let them all do what they do and kill themselves and rob and steal. And then what will happen? Then go clean it up? No, that's, we can't do that. That's not our society. So we need to invest in policing, put it into the training. You know, Biden comes in and, you know, what pissed me off is he could have came one day earlier. One day earlier. He could have gone to that funeral. He didn't have yes. to say anything. He could have just walked in and sat down there and sent the message that I got you back. But he didn't. He came a day later. He puts on his fake tears and, and he's going to come up with some great strategy. That, that that strategy has already left it left the port. It's right. We we know it's not going to happen. But he's going to throw money because they just keep printing it. And sooner or later, you can't just keep printing money. You know, you got to fix these problems. 
we need to tweak things. We needed bail reform. We needed some police reform. We needed, you know, to look at the way we police. Stop questioning first had to be, again, tweaked again. But that's okay. We know how to police. You said it before. We know how to police. We've constantly reduced crime, both in the city and our counties out here. We keep our residents safe. But if you take that back and you pull back and you don't let your police do their job, we're going to go spinning back into the 80s, and that's where it's going to be like you're going to be boarded up buildings everywhere you go. That's a numbers joint. That's a crack joint. Don't go in there. Stand on this corner. Don't talk to nobody. Community policing is what is key to our success right now. You know, Pat, that's why I think you're also seeing a lot of uh, people fleeing some of these major cities to other states that are more friendly to you know crime fighting and to public safety. I mean, Florida, you can't... You, Real estate in Florida is booming now because everyone's moving to Florida because it's a law and order state, you know. Well, it's a, it's a full carry state, too. I mean, most yeah. of your residents carry firearms. So I think that, uh, you know, legitimately carry them. They take safety courses. They carry a firearm. Nobody's too uh, quick to uh, pull out a gun and start shooting somebody because the bullets might be flying back the other way, too, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but if you look what she's She's trying to do now is she's sticking into that bill that all apartments in, in, in out here in the counties, there's no more going to be any requirements. You can rent your apartment out to 10 different people. I, I, my residents in Nassau County will not handle that. That's crazy. And that, why did that, what that is, is the city's bad. Go run out to the county and rent somebody's basement, rent their second floor. But what about what the stress you put on the schools, the police, the hospitals and everything else? She doesn't care. And, and and you'll have food insecurity too. <laughs> yeah. Hey Phil, you brought back a memory before uh, you were talking about the the bodegas being targeted. I, I worked with some guys in the Bronx, and and they targeted bodegas a lot, usually for cold Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> That's pure. They have Budweiser insecurity. So yeah, that was the good old days. And, that, was, and that was for you, Muldoon, if you're listening. Uh. Duty Brown, thank you for the ten dollars super chat, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, the great Harlem Raiders. Uh, I'm sure Eddie Hartnett knows who uh, Lieutenant Pete, Peter Pranzo. Pete Pranzo. Pete Pranzo, one of the all-time best. That's right. Great street crime lieutenant, and he's one of our biggest supporters. Thank you, Lieutenant Pete. You know, it's amazing that we're, that we're all here. And, I, you know, people are listening to us in the building. So all you people in the building, we're saying things I know that you can't say. And that's why I love to be the voice. And, look, we have two of the greatest – Law enforcement minds in the country here. I'll translate. Net. I'll translate for Bill. The building he means is is one police plaza. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I forgot to say that one yeah. police plaza. And we also have straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi, so he can speak Italian in case we need to, some of that too. That's right. <laughs> I'll speak Brooklynese. How's that? I'll speak Brooklynese. But I'll get uh, some of my paisans on board to uh, start kicking ass in the street, but. Uh, and we, 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 we have everything available to us to turn things around. And now that we've had two commissioners on tonight that agree, the politicians got to, they got to wake up. I mean, uh, you know, they're worried about getting reelected, turn down crime. You'll get reelected, but turn back the hands of time a little bit, get, get it where you can, you know, I, I used to, in the last probably, um, 10, 15 years, I've gone to Times Square a couple of times with my family and felt absolutely no uh, stress or worry that I was going to get 
robbed or something bad was going to happen. And in the last, I'd say last five years or so, I wouldn't dare go, go to Times Square with my family now with all this stuff that's going on. I mean, I took my kids years ago, took them on a subway ride and stuff. I wouldn't even think of doing that. There's a video that's circular, circulating around with uh, people defecating, urinating, having sex, all kinds of insanity. And I'm sure everybody, all you got to do is go on YouTube and, and uh, look for it. There's, there's just, it's an out of control system right now, the subway system in New York. Bail so. reform, bail reform changed the voting this past November. It's going to change it again this November because people are sick and tired and they got to go out and they got to vote. 100%. Well, you know, Bragg, Bragg was vote was voted in with only 23% of the electorate vote, bothered even to vote. And if yeah. you saw, I mean, there were 10 Democratic candidates for mayor. Eric Adams was the least worst. The other nine were like, you know, they were Marx, Marx and Lenin. And it was like, it was crazy. There was all these defund the police people. He was, as I said, the least worst out of the 10 people that ran for me. And the guys, before thing, we go, the guys, I'm sorry, Phil, the, the, the other things that are, that are that are on the cops' plate, you know, aside from bail reform, you know, qualified immunity, raise the age, uh, you know, all the defund the police stuff, the, the, the revisions in parole, less is more, all that stuff is, is, is combining to make crime and violence go way up. 100%. Well, it's that that word they use, the decarceral, decarceral policies. And Bragg had the balls to say these policies will make us safer. How is that? How is that? You know, he, he's got to show the stats on that, Billy. You know, let me see stats on that. He can't produce them. It's insane to even make that statement. And you brought up the amount of people that voted in the election. He also had a million dollars in his coffers from George Soros that most of the other candidates None of them except him got. So, I mean, that's where he slam dunked, I guess. And uh, I don't know. I think there was a, there was rumor about possibly uh, recalling him. Uh, the governor has the right to do that. And uh, she had some type of a talk with him. Let's see where it goes. But uh, this guy uh, sounds very dangerous. I don't think it, it'll, it'll never happen. And, you know, it's funny. Bad guys, we all know you guys know bad guys as well, if not better than me. Bad guys don't read the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, but they pay attention. So oh, yeah. bad guys will think bad guys in Brooklyn and the Bronx and other places, they'll see the, the, the climate in Manhattan. Remember in the old days, you'd grab a guy from Brooklyn or the Bronx and his thing would be, I'm going to Manhattan to get paid. You go, he, remember they'd say Manhattan, Manhattan makes it, it Brooklyn, Brooklyn takes take it. it. That's what they used so, to say. And, and, and they'll keep doing that. They'll, they'll say, hey, it's a, I'll get, I'm better off getting arrested if I do get arrested. I'm better off getting arrested in Times Square than back in my own neighborhood where I might actually go to jail. And, you know, Absolutely. and the same the same thing goes for Nassau County. Perps from the city, I'm not crossing that border. They don't mess around in Nassau County. Real police. That, Pat, right? And I'm proud to say, Yonkers, listen, uh, uh, five years I did in Yonkers. I had wonderful time there. Great cops in Yonkers. Great detectives in Yonkers. Uh, you know, they made a mistake sometimes when they crossed over from the Bronx. Because uh, they knew they were, they were going to get arrested. They were going to maybe get prosecuted more in Westchester than they were going to get prosecuted in the Bronx or Manhattan. I, I think I that's gotta, very true. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Pat. Go I, ahead. I got a county exec here now in Nassau County, Bruce Blakeman. He's fighting Hochul every day. I got a district attorney here in Nassau County. She's doing taking the fight to the back up to Albany that, that we got to repeal a lot of these things. Look, you don't have to take it totally out, but let's let's go back and sit down and, and, and bring the experts to the table. Right? You take away discretion from a judge. What does that do? They, aren't they the people that we trust to be the – the, the one, the balance in the courtroom when you go in there that says, let's use some common sense. Common sense went out the window. Like I said earlier, it, it went out with broken windows. It's gone. 
right? We got to bring it back inside, sit down and try to figure these things out. But you need to replace them and bring in the right people. Nassau, Suffolk County, both of them put in Republic DAs. They, that's a message. They, they're tired of it. And they're not going to pay the taxes they pay just to have the crap come through the neighborhood. You know, Pat, I think you hit it on the head. And I think that's why Hochul probably read the riot act to, uh, you brag. know, to, to the, to brag because the midterm elections are coming up and you're going to see a bloodbath unless yep. something is done and they know it. They know it. I mean, I couldn't believe that, uh, the, the mayor met with Andrew Cuomo. What, what is he coming on the, out, out from under the rocks again? What is he going to run? For? He's going to run again. They said, yeah. What is he going to run for? I think they said he may general. run for attorney general. Yeah, I that's think what I heard. Yeah. Exploratory I mean, commission. Are you kidding me? Come on. We already, had, we already had you for eight years. Go leave. You know, and, and he, you know, he, he doesn't get a pass either. Listen, de Blasio was a terrible mayor, worst mayor in my lifetime, but right. his policies, not just the, the COVID stuff, his policies contributed greatly to the decline of New York City, too. He shouldn't get off the hook either. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, a lot of that was he he paroled more cop killers than any governor in the history of this state. Well, he was he's in bed with the assembly. He's in bed with the Senate. And that's how it works, you know. And, and normally he has some influence. Let's not push that message right now. But they did. They pushed it. First it was marijuana. Then came reforms. Discovery. You know, when a rape victim's information gets given to the bad guy within 14 days? What is the purpose of that? Why are we giving that victim any kind of solace? It's it's ridiculous. He's part of the progressive machine in Washington too. He's uh, he's right in in lockstep with them. So, and I would hate to see him rear his ugly head and run for anything. But he wants to run against the attorney general that brought the investigation against him. It's it's ridiculous. But who knows what what happens with him in the future? You know, uh, Ed, you should have wrote your book on duty, you know, and hired uh, sergeants to write it for you and made $5 million off it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's the equivalent right. of what he did, you know? That's he right. wrote the yeah. book on duty, went on TV, had the state staff writing his book for him, took $5.1 million for it. I don't know. What's wrong with that? Oh, yeah, can we, people can we get on the Chris? Was in nursing homes. Yeah, yeah 15,000 people. Show? Can we get on the Chris Cuomo show? Oh, no, he doesn't have a show anymore. That's right. That's right. He was CNN. The Fredo show. (laughs) The Fredo show. It's crazy. But uh, look, hopefully we have some good things to look forward to uh, in, you know, with the midterm elections. And, you know, I I mean, when people say, oh, I don't want to get political. The P in police stands for politics. I'm convinced of that. Because without politics, the police get uh, really downgraded. They get disarmed. They get... uh, they get all of their powers taken away from them. So politics and policing is pretty damn important. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say so, Pat? Uh, absolutely. You know, and, and look, we don't, we don't want, we want to keep our politics out when we make decisions as bosses, right? We serve all the people with the public servant. We protect and serve. But at the other side of it, sometimes you got to say, hey, I got to take the fight. It's not my political view. It's what's protecting my cops. It's what's protecting my, my, my residents. I, you you think give me a thing like bail reform got we got to go to battle you know and I got my head kicked in from from the assembly because I went after them and I said right, they're gonna do a commercial on me they want to waste their money go ahead because like I said the bad guys don't watch that stuff they don't read those papers right so it, we just continue to keep our head go after it hunt them down make those arrests give the victims you know uh, um, what they deserve is some closure. And support our cops. And, and you know, it, there's 30,000 cops in that city. That's an army. 
It's an army. And, you know, we, we keep supporting them. We're going to do the right thing and everything should turn out right. We'll turn it around. Here's a real with Robo. Thanks for the $5 super chat. I got to read what you wrote because it's funny. I've been sending tweets daily to New York. What else can we civilians do to help? No, Canon. I won't tell you what I tweet. It's unladylike. <laughs> I like that. That's okay. But I know uh, what she could do. Vote. if you, Wherever you live, go out and vote. Vote the right people and that's what you could do. 100%. That, that's for sure. You know, you guys were uh, so great to have on as guests. And uh, it, you're, so, you're so accessible. And I really appreciate that. Pat, this is the second time you've been on the show. You're a true, uh, you're a true Irishman. What do we say? What, what, what are they, what's the equivalent of saying paisan in Irish? I don't know. Do we have a word? A good lad? <laughs> a good lad. Okay. You're a fine lad. You're, you're a fine, fine lad. lad. Fine, fine lad he is. You're a and, fine lad he is. And, and you are too. I know you're, uh, you, you're the first generation that was born in this country, right? You're, you're, uh, folks are from Ireland, right? My friends, Me too. Yeah, my, and my siblings are all good. Wow. Where, where are your people from? Dublin. My parents got married right. in Dublin, came over on the, on the, the Queen Mary. Wow. Yeah, my mom was from Kilkenny. My dad was from Limerick. I used to go every summer to the farm. Uh, no indoor plumbing. It was wonderful. Uh, had a great time, though. But, uh, but yeah, we'll think of, we'll think of an equivalent Paisan word if, if possible. <laughs> You're but, a fine lad. Yeah. And, and, Bill, I think this is my 17th appearance. And what, uh, you know, you've been on here more so than anyone. We've got to him a quote, Bill. He's well, got to He acts like he doesn't want to come on. And I he actually, always like, gives actually, me a nudge, like, hey, what's going I can on? Do still, I still work for a living, but somehow <laughs> yeah. I've been on and – truly showing my bravery for coming on so many times but uh you, you work for brinks good. right you work for brinks isn't that true <laughs> <laughs> they bring those go. cash bags to your house <laughs> yeah those those guys in that video stole my watches yeah that's right <laughs> yeah they fought they should follow him home now with these brinks yeah. bags but he but he's strapped you, you're carrying a, you're carrying that nine with the old the 16 rounds in it oh right? i still have i still have the old trusty rusty somewhere too so Oh, you got the thirty-eight that you carried when you were a cop in the three-two, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Me and Wyatt Earp, yeah. That's that's for hey, sure. Give, give a shout out to Rodney Harrison. He's doing a great job out in Suffolk. Really starting to turn. Good man, Rodney Harrison. Really yeah, good you guy. have something I want to have. I want to have Rodney on the show. I want to see if he wants to talk about the Long Island serial killer. That he you inherit that too when uh, you take over Suffolk County, right? Yeah. He'll solve it. He'll solve that's, it. That that's a tough one. Though, he huh? did some media on that too, Billy, when he uh, first became when he first named as a PC out there. So yeah, he's he's on it. I, I I venture to say he's on it pretty good too. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, I don't want to keep you any longer. We have you almost here an hour and ten minutes. I just want to Pat Ryder, the police commissioner of Nassau County. Thank you so much for coming on. You're a real Thank gentleman, you. and uh, Ed Hartnett. You. you were my XO when you were a hell of a, of a younger guy. I mean, uh, you were even younger than this picture. That was your Yonkers days. Yeah, I, I had worked on that. You were the XO then. at a 2-4. I forget how you were, you were a real youngster back then. And I uh, was, yeah. I was, uh, yeah. You aged me, Pat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill, yeah. rather. You aged me. <laughs> That's, yeah, sure. And that, there's a picture of Pat in action out in Nassau County. Uh, the, guy the, the guy in the back's got a mask over his eyes and everything. What the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Out in Nassau <laughs> County, we don't wear masks no more. Just listen to my county exec. They're all... <laughs> Well, she was, uh, Hockle was saying she's going to, uh, this Wednesday, I think she's going to terminate that, uh, that you don't have to wear a mask anymore. I saw hey, Bill, look Bill, forward putting to... a mask on you is like putting a mustache on a Mona Lisa. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Now you got to insult me. 
Billy, this yeah. show used to be more comedy. Now we're more serious here, you know? Billy, Commissioner Hartnett was my chief in the intelligence division. And I'm going to say what Tommy Dade said to give a shout out to you, that he loved you, thought you were a great boss in the intelligence division. So I did that shout out. And oh, I think we you. focused on two key points tonight. One was the victims. That's obviously seems to, every politician seems to have forgotten about the victims. And the other thing is we're all in lockstep. And I'm glad that we have two commissioners on common sense policing that's what we're looking for just use common sense in this stuff not bail reform and this idiocy that Bragg wants to come up with we know what to do let us do it for sure pat uh writer less words now nah, listen let's just remember the victims let's remember our cops let's pray for the families of the two officers that were shot and killed you know over the last two weeks um 26 cops i think it's a 27 now have been shot and killed around this country it's got to stop we're not we're not the bad guys. We're here to help you. One hundred percent. Ed Hartnett, final words. Guys, God bless all, and and let the cops be cops. That's for sure. You know, guys, this has been police off the cuff, real crime stories. Myself and Phil Grimaldi, on behalf of Nassau County Police Commissioner Patrick Ryder, former Yonkers Police Commissioner Ed Hartnett, an entrepreneur. I, I don't want to say I, people are gonna people are gonna mug you if they keep. They think you have that much money, you know? <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for being on the show, folks that were listening. Thank you so much. Uh, have a safe night. Stay safe, everyone. Good night, guys. God bless. One episode, just ain't enough.